Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Chris Chibsey is in his 26th year of teaching in the Strongsville City School District, which is a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. He spent 17 years teaching at the high school level, and the last nine at the middle school level, mostly banned from grades five through 12. He has also taught a high school music theory and technology class and helped develop the art and music production course for eighth graders. Chris earned his bachelor in music education from Capital University in Columbus, master's of music education from the University of Akron, and a master's certificate in music technology from the University of Newcastle, Australia. He is on the Ohio State Board of Time, an organization that is dedicated to music technology in education. He has presented at the OMEA Time State Conventions multiple times about music technology projects in the middle school classroom. I'm very pleased this week to have Chris Chidsey on the podcast. Chris teaches at the Strongsville Middle School in Ohio. Uh, I heard rave reviews about you and your program from uh, Mike Olander. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jim, for having me. So the first thing I'd love to, and I always, I do this with every guest, is for you to describe your path from, you know, uh, when you first got interested in music, that moment where you said, I might, might want to be a music teacher, all the way up to um, where your position is today. So if you can give us that kind of five to 10 minute overview of your career, that would be great. Sure. Well, I started like many students. I started uh, in elementary school. I actually started on piano in fourth grade. Uh, and then I joined clarinet class in fifth grade and played both all the way up through. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I thought about what my career path would look like. I was interested in two things, um, music, of course, and uh, technology as well. So at the mm. time, there really wasn't music technology out there as a major. Right. Uh, I was looking for things that might incorporate computer science and music. Um, I found my way to Capital University in Columbus, which is oh, great music oh, yeah. program. So I started actually in that, but um, switched to, to teaching my second semester because of an experience of working at summer camp. I loved working with the kids and I continued on in there for many years, but that's when I realized education was really where I was meant to be. So I went through my undergrad and, and was lucky enough to get this job in Strongsville right out of college. They hired six music teachers that summer. Wow. Which is a lot. Um, and some of them are, are still here with me today. I teach with them still. And I've been there ever since. Um, since I've been teaching there, I've done a variety of, of things. I've taught almost a little bit of almost everything, but mainly band. Uh, I started for a while as the assistant high school band director and also mm -hmm. taught elementary. Um, somewhere along the line, I started teaching a high school music theory and tech class, which was a lot of fun. It was one of my favorites. Uh, it was a year-long college prep theory class, but also incorporated technology. Um, the band director at the time who started that 
version of the class, tech meant finale in the computer lab. And that right. was about it. Uh, but since I was able to teach it, we could start doing a few more things um, for compositional elements. Uh, we did a little podcasting. That was cool. Sound, sound design over videos. Yeah, that was fun. We had a podcast of original music by high school students. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, the students that were, were in it were really excited about it, too, and we did a, a concert. They put together the whole thing, brought the students in to the auditorium, and we had a, a concert. Oh, very cool. All students, so that was fun. Uh, then there was a time when um, I was teaching that, but I was doing a variety of other things as well, and an opportunity opened up at the middle school. And so I jumped at it because it was one place with just the things that I feel called to teach. One was band, and the other was an eighth grade music tech um, focused class. It's called um, Art and Music Production. It's eighth grade course, which incorporates art, visual arts and music and technology project Very based. Cool. So I took that position that was in 2016, no 2013. 2016, we opened up a new middle school and consolidated our two buildings. Uh, and, uh, and the rest is history. That's what I've been doing ever since. So how long have you been teaching in the Strongsville district? This is my 26th year. All right. So I'm trying to do the math. So you and I are right around the same age. So when you were at Capitol, I know um, uh, Mark Lockstamper is a dear, dear friend of mine. Was Mark teaching at that time there? He was. If I remember, I never had him for anything, but I, uh, if I remember correctly, he may have come to Capitol somewhere in the middle of my four years there. And was Rocky Reuter there as well? Yes, I know Rocky well. I've had him as a, a teacher for a number of courses. Ah, they're fantastic. What a great program there. And Rocky and Mark, uh, I've known for years and years from my association with time. So it's always whenever it's a great, great program. Super cool. Mm -hmm. So you've kind of done uh, you and I have a very similar um, career path in terms of our teaching. Uh, what, what instrument did you play or do you play? My major major instruments, piano. I would right. consider myself mostly a pianist i i play okay. you know, church and company musicals and soloists and all of that uh, my secondary is clarinet but really right now i focus on keyboards got it so yeah the band i did uh i you know like many music teachers i was in undergrad thinking i wanted to be a high school band director that's the only thing i never did <laughs> um and i was uh i found you know probably like many, I, I thought that middle school would be uh, absolutely terrifying to teach, um, especially general music. Um, and I ended up being a middle school band director, orchestra director, and, and general music teacher. And I loved it. I loved every minute. So you've been at Strongsville Middle School for um, not not your entire career, but what, the last 10 years? Is that? Do yeah, I do I think nine, nine years, I think. Nine and 10 years. Yeah. Excellent. So why don't you tell us about your program? Like what, what is your day-to-day -day schedule? What, what classes are you teaching? Well, personally this year, currently I'm doing grades five, six, and seven band. Okay. Um, this year, one of my, my colleagues is teaching the art and music production class. Um, but sometimes I teach it, sometimes someone else does. Mm -hmm. So I, I spend the morning and the end of the day at the middle school teaching six and seven. In the middle of the day, I go out to two of our elementary buildings and teach fifth grade beginners. Ah, yeah, the good old uh, traveling. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, uh, do, do you enjoy that part of the gig or is that you wish you were all in the middle school the whole time? 
Oh, no, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's fun to uh, see the different environments. No, that's great. That's good. It's good attitude. So um, I'm going to just quickly touch on the pandemic before going into the music technology and the kind of stuff that you do. Um, I've been, you know, now we're on basically on the other side of it, or at least that's how mentally a lot of music teachers want or where they want to be. How was your program affected and what are you doing now with your kids? I mean, what are the numbers like? I think the uh, much like many other schools, we were affected in similar ways. I think um, our numbers dropped a little bit, although I don't feel we were as bad as other places. Mm -hmm. um, the year that the first year after the shutdown, we did start only about half the amount of beginners that we normally would, as you might expect. Right. However, in the next year, the second year, we did start a lot more of them as sixth graders. So we bumped the number back up to where we typically are. Uh, the older kids, we did drop a little bit um, it, to be expected, but not terribly, yep. I don't right. think. Uh, we did, we were able to, to play with all the mitigation techniques in place, and we were very effective at that. We um, just kind of, that first year, kind of thought, what can we, what can we get out of the kids? How far can we go, but not push it? Just to start from one place and grow to somewhere beyond right. where we are. And that was a good technique, I think. Really Absolutely. Well. Uh, and then now we're able to bump it up a little more, but I, I feel now we're back to the numbers that we are used to in the middle school level. We had a really good recruiting class in fifth grade this year. That's great. Of course, our um, the tech, art, music, amp class, that was not affected because there's no playing involved there. It's just all um, a general music type right. of setting with creativity involved. But that, uh, yeah, I think we're back to where we should be right now. Oh, that's fabulous. Great, great news. I, I like hearing uh, those stories. So you start your kids in fifth grade in Strongsville? Yes. All right. So yeah, where I am in the East Coast, um, we typically in the New York metro area, which is really my only kind of active music teaching experience, we started them in fourth grade. So you basically backfilled the sixth graders who missed it and got them up and running and and they were still interested. That's a really, really great, um, that's a great story. I'm happy to hear that. So, um, you know, this is a really, I, I I think you'll find this question interesting as well. The We're hearing a lot of, you know, music teachers, Chris, that are basically saying, I never want to see music technology in my face again. I, I want to go back to the old way I used to do it. I don't want to ever see a Zoom camera. Uh, I don't want to see that Brady Bunch style screen. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like people have PTSD from the from the pandemic and teaching over and, and and granted it was it was not a lot of fun for for anyone. Um, but I'd love to know your feelings and and you know you're not teaching the art uh, and, and music production classes here, but what do, what do you think the role of music technology is in a music program? And I'm talking about like, you know, now that we're through this, because March of 2020, every music teacher and their sister um, had to use it to keep their programs alive. But now that we're on the other side of it, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, what is the role of music tech in a music program? Sure. I, I think there's, two things there's two sides of it to, from my perspective one it's to help foster creativity mm -hmm. and that's where the, the digital audio workstations loops 
um, other recording type software come into play. I think it really can foster creativity beyond what we do in our normal performing ensembles. Right. So that creates that um, interest from students to be creative and be more musical. I think that's one side of the coin. The other is from the teacher perspective, and that is find the techniques, find the tools that are going to meet your educational needs. Like what mm -hmm. is it that you want the students to do? What do you want them to learn? And how do you want to get to that point with technology? It can make life a lot easier for not just the teacher, but the student. Uh, I don't see technology as um, tools that we use just because the new new thing is around. Right. But does it does it fit with what you want the students to do and does it make it easier for them to achieve those goals? Yeah, I mean, I think you just you hit the nail on the head. And in and, and the last podcast, uh, Leah Hanley said almost the same thing. And that's do a needs assessment of your program. Um, mm -hmm. You know, go in and see, like, where do my kids need help? And if they need help with sight reading, see if there's a technology tool that will help them. If they need help, like if you're a band director and you're having to um, give 100 students weekly performance grades, you know, that's impossible. So maybe there's a piece of technology that can help you do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think a needs assessment is is a great way um, uh, to look at what uh you know what music technology can do for you and not thinking of it the other way is you know i have this music technology how can i fit it into my program mm -hmm. so it's what has to do with the what the motivation you have yep. as, a, as a teacher and what you want the students to achieve exactly so what what um uh, uh you're using music for software what what exactly what are you using with your kids and and how are you using it sure First this year, for the first time this year, we're using it with our band orchestras and choirs here. Uh, we've used it for many years with the AMP class, mm -hmm. um, but we're using a different circumstance. We're using two different um, installations of it, if you will. So with the, the performing ensembles, we're just getting used to it now. It's the first year using that, but I've used uh, several of the things very successfully right. and really enjoy it. So we have Practice First, Musician Aurelia, and Flat and sight reading factory awesome and we're we're using all of them we've, we've started using sight reading factory weekly and it's it's really really a nice thing it helps the kids a lot and we have many other uses in mind for the future of that orchestra has been using that last year mm -hmm. um i just on its own standalone without the music the music first entire. right we've started using practice first for assessments um, and not all, I like, really like the video part of that. We use Flipgrid a lot and I like it because of the video. And now oh, that's very cool. Just first, we also can use video, but also have the evaluation of the performance by the software. Mm -hmm. um, I've already used some of the flat worksheet capabilities and just played around a little bit with musician drills. That's about as far as I've, I've gotten so far. But very I, cool. Our idea with this is we want to use some of these things to create common assessments amongst all of the different music programs. Um, data is a big, big thing. So we want to make sure we can collect data in a, a meaningful way. And this is one good way to do it. And it makes it easy on us. And it's. I love that. By the way, for everyone listening to a podcast, you know exactly what that sound is like fifth period just started or sixth period. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Um, well, that's great. Uh, and how do you like Flat? Because I just think it's an absolutely fantastic and easy to use program. Oh yeah, I've liked I've liked it before um, when I need it. Although if, on my own, I use Spinelli. I've got that on my own right. laptop. I'm used to it. Um, but Flat is is easy to use. Yep. It's, um, we use NoteFlight quite a bit as well, and they both kind of approach the uh, note entry a little differently. And once you get used to either one, it's it's pretty easy. But yeah. I do like uh, Flat, and I like how it's connected with Google, and uh, and the worksheet is really nice too. And have you used the export Flat to practice first function? I haven't done that yet. Yeah, well, you got to try it out and let me know what you think. I think they they um they did a really fabulous job. There's basically when you download, there's a download icon and flat when you click on it, you can export something directly to practice first. It opens practice first and takes you right into the uh, exercise creator. So that's that's very, very cool. Um the so with your with the art and music production class, are they using any music first software there? Yes, we are using mostly sound. Uh, yeah, Soundtrap, mostly yeah. Soundtrap. We also have had Note Flight in the past. Mm -hmm. um, we still do. Um, right now, that class is a semester long. There's been some years it's been a year, but currently it's a semester. Uh, it's been going on for about 15 years now, and it was created as a additional elective. And it was created with the current art teacher and my predecessor. They created the class in the first place, and at the time it was kind of like the high school class I used to teach. It was just a computer lab with Mixcraft. Oh, Mixcraft, oh, yeah. that's fantastic. I love Mixcraft. And it would take forever to do any of the multimedia projects. You had to upload pictures onto our school server. Sometimes that would take the better part of a period. Um, but then when we were able to switch to all online, all cloud-based software like we're using with Music First, uh, it just changed the game entirely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm for I used uh, in my middle school music tech class, I used Sibelius and GarageBand. So basically the same mm -hmm. setup, uh, just different brands on it. Um, and when I left teaching and I and I ran Soundtree for a couple of years, I could see that as soon as Steve Jobs walked out on stage with the iPad, mm -hmm. I knew where everything was going. I said, uh oh. Yeah. Uh, these, you know, it's wonderful to have a computer lab. It's it's kind of a luxury. But now, you know, if a kid has a Chromebook or even a phone, they have the computer lab right in their, right. you know, right on their living room table or bedroom. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. I'm going to go to something you mentioned a little earlier um, and, and podcasting. So um, in two weeks, Chris, we're going to be launching uh, a, a brand new, uh, I wrote from, from, from scratch, a podcasting curriculum okay. um, with, you know, using Soundtrap, using some hardware from Focusrite and basically a step-by-step -step how to do podcasting. I would love to know what 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 kind of podcast you're creating with your kids or have created and, and what do they think of podcasting? Well, when we did that project, that was quite a number of years ago. Okay. And we haven't been doing that recently, uh, but they did enjoy it because it was the topic that they enjoyed it was their own music and they got to perform. oh that's right that's uh, right and they, the students in the class would um interview the other students and we put all put it all together uh, and that's that's why they really enjoyed doing that it was definitely having the topic that was very interesting to them and got their got the music out there that they they don't always get 
heard. You know, they play at, at home and then this is a way to allow other people to hear it. That's great. So it's like a composer showcase podcast and, and the mm -hmm. kids get to talk about their own music and then it plays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's what you're probably like me. And when podcasting first came out in like the mid or 2006, 2007, I dove in head first. I had my kids making podcasts all the time. And then somewhere around 2010, it just fell out of fashion. And we were on to the next thing. Maybe it was Chromebooks or I, you know, I don't know what took over, but it was kind of like, ah, eh. and, and they went away. And uh, then podcasting came back because of the serial podcast. Um, and then NPR. And now, I mean, kids, at least my own two daughters and and every one of their friends, they're obsessed with podcasts. And so maybe maybe they'll they'll bring that back in the uh, in the art and music production class. Yeah, that would be a, a good idea. Cool. Um, so what kind of um, in, in your middle school band are they do the kids have their own Chromebooks or how are you implementing music first with them? Is it just like as your assistant? Um, are, are they doing it outside of class? Are they doing it inside of class? Like, how have you decided to implement it with your band? Well, in the band, well, in our whole school, we're one-to-one -one Chromebooks. So everybody okay. has a Chromebook that they can bring with them to school and at home. So they always have have the same technology wherever they are. So we, right. that, that gap is is now gone, whereas before that was a problem. Always, yeah. You never know who had what. But now that they have their own, that's not a problem. So we can do things in class at home and right now we are doing a little of both um, playing assessments we would like them to do those at home because it's a form of practice right it gives them a way to show what they've been working on and us to see and check in give them feedback what we're seeing on the video on maybe how they hold their instrument maybe embouchure uh, also what we're hearing we can really easily do that and that's that's my how i envision that portion is do that at home as part of a practice right they do have opportunities to come down during certain parts of the day if they if they can't do something at home so that is a possibility as well we do a, a theory thursday where every thursday we do some kind of deep dive into a concept we're working on and we'll use uh, we'll use music first for that and uh, see how they're doing and check check their progress. And are you like are yeah. are you projecting that up on a screen in your band hall? No, they're using that as practice on their own Chromebooks. Oh, very cool. And how much of your rehearsal time? Because I know, like you know, when I was a band director, my rehearsal time was so precious. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I would have pulled that out. How much time are they spending on those theory exercises? Well, right now we're looking at about maybe half a period. We do meet daily. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So, uh, one, maybe half a class. Maybe it might bleed a little more. Of course, as we get closer to concert season, we will be um, probably shortening that a little bit. That'll right. depend on the time of year. But right now is a great time for us. We, we don't have anything till December for, for performance. So now is the time to get them used to the tech, get them introduced to all the new skills, new theory concepts, uh, and dig into that a little bit without having to worry about a concert on our doorstep. And are you, I mean, you know, the research out there in terms of the efficacy of music technology is thin. And it's mostly because uh, the, the main, at least in my opinion, the journals of music education research, I personally believe, uh, are not all that excited about music technology because they think it's just going to be obsolete by the time it's printed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but in your kind of, um, you know, experience, uh, is is technology helpful? Are these kids, are they doing better with it? Are they learning more? Or like, what is the impact that you see? The biggest impact that I can think of is about the data piece mm. and the speed too. Students can do more, I think, when they when they are used to how it works. So they right. can go on, do the exercise we ask them to do, and then we have the data right there. We can see what their answers were. Whereas paper pencil, we have to create the activity. They have to complete it. We have to collect it. We have to grade it record it somewhere. I, I like the idea of even if you can do it the same way on paper, having it paperless allows them to finish it more expediently and, and us to be able to um, record the data better and study it. Right. Yeah. And that that data, um, especially when uh, in, in kind of the where administrators are always asked for numbers and, and improvement, uh, that being able to collect data like that as a teacher is like a wonderful, mm-hmm. I used to always call the technology my assistant um, because, yeah. uh, you know, that's like one of those things that, you don't. my desk when I was a band director was just covered in, in stuff. And, and if I had to collect papers, I, they would have gotten lost. Um, so it's like that perfect little organization and 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 a way of keeping it all in one place that and easy to read and easy to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids that you're that you're teaching are they are they excited about their Chrome? I mean, like the the, the whole idea of the Chromebook, um, you know, and what you you just alluded to that you know pre Chromebook it was kind of if you're in a bring bring your own device um scenario you never know what you're going to get are these kids using those chromebooks at home too because my daughter um who we where i live in new york they have a one-to-one chromebook program and she brought that chromebook home but she would never take it out of her backpack she'd do everything on her phone Mm. um i'm wondering if your kids are the same uh out there in ohio are they are they using those or is it probably very difficult to tell whether they're using them yeah, my students, it's difficult to tell, although they are used to it. It's just part of them now. It just right. goes with them everywhere. Rarely ever do I say we're using our Chromebooks in class today. Normally, we're we're not. We're playing our instruments. Right. But very rarely do they have to say, I, I need to go get it on my locker. It's just right. It's just with and, them like a notebook. Yeah. And my my own personal kids at, at home, they do all their homework on their Chromebooks. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. My, um, my maybe my 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 own kids are a little more jaded. They're just like they have these beautiful iPhones and they do everything. And I don't know how any kid can do work on a yeah. on a three inch by five inch screen and yeah. you know however big it is. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And and are your because in in Strongsville, I think you mentioned that that you're getting like a, a uniform assessment across a district. So are they using? similar technology in the elementaries and the middle and the high schools? Um, We are not using this program for all the areas. Okay. We're thinking from a middle school perspective, we want some common assessments there. And how many middle schools are in the district? Just one, but we're we're more talking about band versus orchestra versus choir. Uh, We we study different technique on how we perform. We do want all of our, say, seventh graders to have similar um, knowledge in how to count rhythms or, um, you know, things of that nature. Right. So we're in the process of that. We're, we haven't gotten there yet, but 
we would like, that's our dream is to, to get all that the same and work on some of those common assessments. So we know that all the grade levels, they all have similar experiences. Right. Super cool. So back to this arts, art and music production class, because I'm fascinated by it. Um, because, you know, I love that it's got that title rather than quote unquote general music. Mm -hmm. um, so you've taught it in years past, but you're not teaching it this year. What kind of projects um, did you or or have you done or are the kids doing now? I, I mean, other than other than podcasts years ago, what, mm -hmm. what kind of things are they doing? We have a lot of lot of projects that we've already established that they do every year that that are based on in real life, really. They're um, things that people do for a living out there mm -hmm. in the advertising world, maybe in the movies and film, um, all of those things. And we like to give them that experience of this is what real people do with music, technology and art and media, all of those things. And we want to make that a point so you don't just have to be a performing musician or a teacher. Maybe there's something else in the art world that you would yep. like to do. So we split our time between the art classroom and the music classroom. And all of our projects integrate both. So for instance, one that we are doing, they're probably doing it right now. It's, um, they create an audio book mm -hmm. and they illustrate the book and add the, add the pictures to the audio track. So we use Soundtrap for that. We've done in the past Halloween stories. Uh -huh. Sometimes they'll do children's stories for elementary schools. And sometimes they've written their own stories. Uh, then they record the audiobook, uh, read the text, try to animate their voice, teach them about that. We find sound effects, put them in appropriate places, and create background music. So in the end, they have an audiobook, and then they take the uh, illustrations from art and we combine them together. We use we video. We have a oh, we video is awesome. That's great. -wide, school district wide subscription to that, and we've been using that for a long time. And that's one of the projects. Um, my favorite at the, at the end of the semester, we do a stop motion animation. Oh, very okay. cool. Uh, we use a phone app called Stop Motion Studio. Mm -hmm. Although there are others out there, but that one, that one, the free version works very well for our students. That's great. And they use that to create a stop motion movie using cut paper. So create the scenes out of paper and uh, take anywhere from like about 200 shots or so. And then they develop their own story idea. They create the scenes on their own, film them. That's all in the art section. Then when they come to the music section, they import that again into WeVideo. And then students will add all the sound effects, including uh, Foley sound effects. We study sound design awesome. and films for that unit. So they learn what that's all about. Uh, and also uh, music in the background and, and put that all together. That's some that's of my favorites. That's fantastic. So the, the 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 next question I have is related uh, to the last two, but uh, but uh, you know a lot of people listening going, how on earth does Chris know how to do all of this? Like, what is your go to way to learn? I mean, I'm sure that at Capital uh, at, at Capital you didn't know how to. Uh, they didn't talk about stop motion animation and apps. Um, when you and I were in college, how are you, how are you learning this stuff? Um, trial and error, really. Uh, we have an idea and we, we look at what we can do to teach it to the kids. Mm -hmm. Like stop motion, for instance, they were doing something similar to that when I first started teaching the class, but it was, it was tedious. They would use 
for the school owned digital cameras. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. A lot of pictures. <laughs> and then, like I said, take a period or like a whole period worth of time to upload all the pictures to the server. And, and you can bring that into Mixcraft and shorten all the lengths and all that. It was tedious. Uh, but somewhere along the line, we were able to find apps that did it for you. And it just kind of evolved from there. And then what can we add educationally to the uh, process to help them learn more about real world applications? So I looked looked around for the Foley uh, side of things and found a number of good videos. Um, Star Wars Episode Two has a document documentary on sound design. Oh, cool. It, everything except for John Williams music, everything else, all the um, lightsabers, all of the laser blasts, all the all that stuff, and it's a it's a really good documentary. So we show that, use that, um, and found some other things along the way. Of there's one video um, of how do you make laser sounds? Right, right, he right. Uses, he uses a slinky. He takes a slinky and and puts um, an amplifier in inside, and then he just kind of pings the side of the slinky when you extend it out, and it makes these lasery type sounds. It's it's a good experiment to show kids that you don't have to do what you think you should do to make the sound because people's minds are going to interpret the sound. And if you need to use something like water, just running water may not be the best way to get that sound you want. No, exactly. And the podcasting curriculum I wrote is there. I did a whole lesson plan on sound effects and Foley effects. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned that video of the because there was an amazing article I found how they made the lightsaber sounds. And then when they showed you how they made it, there was some like there high tension lines that hold up telephone poles. Mm -hmm. If you put your ear up to it and tap it, you're like, that's directly from Star Wars. That's really cool. How mm -hmm. they made the uh, TIE fighter sound effects. Um, that's awesome. So is that on YouTube, Chris? I'm, I'm going to go yes. right after we're done talking and find it. Yes, that's it is. And I, I'm trying to think of the exact title, something about films aren't released, they escape. Oh, that's great. And that's so are you like me? And I like, if I need to know how to do something, I either, I go on YouTube and I literally type in, how do you do this? And there's like, you know, 10,000 videos that show you. Oh yeah. Google's Google's your friend. You can find anything. Yeah. No, I mean, to, to anyone listening, if there's, if there's something you're looking like, how do I, I mean, I know this is ridiculous and off topic, but I, I didn't know how to change my refrigerator water filter. I know mm -hmm. that's ridiculous, but I'm not mechanically minded when it comes to refrigerators. I went on YouTube, I put in the model number and I say, how do you, and as I'm typing, how do you, boom, how do you replace the water filter? And there's a three minute video that this guy makes and it has a commercial in it and a it's amazing. So I, I, what, back to what you said, you know, teaching kids real life skills. Um, there are a lot more people in the music industry making their livings on this side, on the tech side of things, and they are up on stage. And I think that a lot of music kids who might have their parents, uh, like your parents told you, like my parents told me, have a backup degree in music ed, which is exactly what my dad told me. Um, there's an entire industry out there in the music tech world of, of people making uh, a, an amazing living doing a really, really incredible things. I think it's I think that needs to be said more and more to the, the kids that we teach. Yeah. So so here's my uh, the last two questions for you, Chris. The first one is advice. And you've given I think you've given some. But what advice would you give if there's a music teacher out there going, OK, I, I'd like to to try to get more tech into my band program or my 
my general music program, what advice would you give them? Well, the, the main advice that I had been thinking about, I've already said, but it's think about what you want to achieve with the technology in your program. What's the end result you want the kids to do? and then go backwards and find those things that fit best. Yep. What's your lesson going to look like? For instance, if um, your goal is to do some composition and your students will play on their instruments what they wrote, then maybe note flight or flat would be your, a good choice. Right. Uh, if maybe you're doing creative composition, but it's not intended for that, maybe soundtrack with loops and MIDI instruments would be a better choice. So think yep. about what is it you want to do? Don't just say, I have this exercise in, in note identification, you're going to do it because I have it. Do you really, do you need to test them on that or, or drill that? Use it when you need to use use uh, those techniques. I love so it. That's the main thing. Um, the other thing is don't be afraid to ask people. You know, you want to incorporate something. Think about what is it you want to incorporate and then go out there and don't be afraid to ask other teachers. Um, what are you doing? How are you doing this? Um, I'm you know more than happy to share with anybody how we're using any of these uh, tools, uh, any of the projects in AMP or anything we're doing, just reach out and ask. We'd be happy to do that. So asking other people, use your network. Yep. And uh, that's the way to, to learn how to do anything. And I'm sure you'll agree that that most music teachers, and, and I think there's something special about music teachers who use technology. I may, I'm, I'm very biased, but most music teachers really, really, really want to share with their successes um with other teachers it's something you know you feel like you're helping uh, a colleague yep. and i think that a lot of teachers are afraid to ask for help maybe because they've been conditioned as a musician or you know as that kind of scared first year teacher you know you never ask for help you just uh you, you just try your best kind of thing i think the more mm -hmm. people would ask for help the, the, the uh, you know there'd be a lot happier teachers out there and a lot more creative things happening in their classrooms yeah that's great. So the last question for you, Chris, is uh, our magic wand question. And that is, if you could wave a magic wand and have something, have music first do something that it can't do now, um, or uh, technology in general, what would it be? Mm. Um, one, I think this is getting easier. This is a general, general tech thing. Mm -hmm. One, I think it's getting easier and better, but it's still not quite there. I always hated having students needing to log into many different places to reach all of the different resources. Right. I feel like that's getting a lot better. But I would say one thing that hopefully this continues to move in that direction is, is that one login type of system where you don't have to go to this website and then that website, but it's all kind of in one place to get there. I think that is happening a little bit more. I don't see that as a problem as much anymore. Right. At the very least with Google Classroom, you just post a link and they go there and then that gets them to where they need. So I, I think that was always frustrating in the past to me, but it's getting better. Uh, music, uh, music first specific. I would like to see music theory software giving me a little more uh, customization. Mm. And I know that this is, goes beyond music first too, but everyone creates their software with a certain direction in mind. Yep. I would love to be able to take some of these things and just create very nitpicky questions. For instance, maybe this isn't that nitpicky. For instance, uh, beginners just focus on note reading to the first five notes for their instrument. Right. Uh, instead of the entire staff, or maybe you can separate it a little bit further. But that is one thing that 
that you that it's hard to find resources that allow you to be that specific. Yeah, I think um, it's funny that you say that because uh, a musician and Aurelia have a full version, which is a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and so Peter Lee, who was, uh, he was actually here in the States uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we, we spent a lot of time together. I'm like, Peter, you know, how much more can you fit in? How much more customization? Because of course, in the full version, Chris, you can do all of that. Mm -hmm. You can you can get really nitpicky. And he's like, well, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to just give it all away, uh, then that's, you know, unfortunately, that's a business decision. However, on musictheory.net, and I'm sure you've used uh -huh. that, fantastic. They do have a really cool customization feature that can almost do what you're what you're saying meaning that you know you can say i just want these five notes to be quizzed rather yeah. than yeah i'm sure you use that site i have i've actually done that exact thing i've created yeah. a google a google um form with the links to each of the instruments and then there's a way to copy the url of their results and yep. paste it in the google form yep and i do that um i do that so that's a good workaround for sure great all right, Chris. Well, we'll take that. Uh, I'll try to figure out how we can do more of that for you. I always appreciate hearing that feedback. Um, I'd like to really thank you for taking time out of your school day. I know you probably have another class to teach mm -hmm. as soon as we say goodbye. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for sharing uh, your story and, and all the amazing things that you're doing there in Strongsville. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your school year. Okay, thanks for having me and you as well. Have a have a great year. All right, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.